ask you this. Let, let, let me ask you this. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Sports Central. Chicago Sports Conversation with Adam Hogue. Go, 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 go. This is Sports Central. On demand and streaming live on WGNRadio.com. Oh, welcome in. It is Friday, April 6th. Had to check the date. Just a quick double check. My name's Adam Hogue. This is Sports Central. Kevin Powell is in the house, uh, which is which is a naturally good thing because today's show is all about golf and baseball. Which yeah, is... we have two 50-inch TVs in here. Oh, I forgot to... T- hang on. Yeah, let's not start the show until the Masters are on. My Sorry, goal every, was the everybody stand by while we turn on the TVs. I hope the volume's not on it as I yeah, turn it on. No. Oh, we go to yeah. three. Three. Three is ESPN. All right. And we'll switch it back so we don't screw up Nick Nick D stuff tonight. This just is to just uh, give everyone a quick heads up, the uh, the cable system we have at WGN is is what is. you had in nineteen ninety eight. Tigers putting right now. Well, let's do play-by-play of the Masters for the next <laughs> hour. Until <laughs> 2, we're going to do play-by-play. And for those of you listening on podcasts, well, we apologize, but you are going to get some really serious play-by-play. I actually do have a question for you because you're the new post-game host for the White Sox, you and Mark Carmen. Yesterday was the toughest loss of the year. Yeah. What was it like for you yesterday? Did you get any, uh, did you get any uh, Sox angry callers? Well, how'd that go down? Shockingly, no. Um, we had a quick show though because the game went long. We had to. That's we, your classic four-hour game. All yeah. those pace of play rules are coming in. To, <laughs> we coming were, into play here. Yeah, we're we're trying to turn it over to Justin Kaufman real quick because we were eating into his show. But uh, we didn't have any angry callers. I was kind of surprised. So maybe that's a good sign that the fans understand that games like yesterday are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, you don't want that to happen on opening day. And, but it was good for me. You know, those games are going to happen. You got to get them out of your system. Right. And, uh, well, they're not. I don't think they're getting them out of their system. I think this is more of things to come this year. Um, it sucked for me because I just felt bad for the fans. That stuck around. It stuck around. It was snowing. The snow was actually kind of cool for a while. But Even sure Richard Hogue left. Really? After the ninth. Richard Hogue seems like a guy who does not leave a game early. He doesn't. He rarely does. But but to, to your point, he stuck to the ninth inning, and they blew it. So he said, all right, I'm out of here. Which yeah. seems like a completely rational thought, by the way, when it's 30 degrees out and snowing. Totally And totally the team fine. just blew a four-run lead. Totally fine I'm with okay that. with that. I'm cool with that as yeah. well. Um, th- those, those sorts of games are going to happen because I think this this Sox offense is, is, is legit. When you look at the lineup, it's... There's some there's some firepower as Rick Hahn described it before the game. Well, even yesterday it was cold out. And cold out. Matt Davidson's double would have been a homer on almost six, any other day. Six extra base hits still. Regardless, That's what I'm saying. Regardless of the non-homers, there was still a ton of power and the yesterday. Tigers had 17 hits. 17 hits. Sox had 11. Um, Yomer Sanchez had two triples. I think what stood out to me, Matt Davidson drew two walks, and so did Tim Anderson. Yeah, Tim Anderson had 13 walks all of last year in 142 games. 13 walks, and he had two yesterday. He has three now already this yeah. year. And he he four, looks four stolen bases going and back. I think, wasn't it you who was all about the stolen bases for TA this year? You wanted to see him run a little bit more. Or was that Mark Carmen? No, I get, I get no, my post game host. No, it up. was. Be, yeah, no, we, we uh, yeah, <laughs> that's gonna happen. Um, no, I was talking to him in Arizona, and and I said, "What's the biggest thing you've been working on?" And he said, "Speed." And I and I asked him, "Okay, how does that translate to the season? How are we going to see that when the games start?" And he said, "I'll show you." That's all he would tell me. I'll show you. And so far, he has he shown showed us. us yesterday that the tagged from third, a, sh- a shallow, pretty shallow fly ball to center field. I'm like, okay, he's going to give it a go, and yeah. he f- flew home. Well, so he, going back to September, now he didn't steal a lot of bases last year, but he was successful when he tried. But going back to last September, he is 13 for 13 stolen bases. That is a that is a good sign. He ended last year strong, worked on it all offseason, and so far has been willing to run. He has four stolen bases so far this season and helped him get to third base in position that I don't know that anyone else on the team would have scored on that. Maybe, oh, absolutely not. Maybe Adam Engel. Plus, it was a perfect slide. No, I don't think anybody gets there other than other than Anderson. Tim Anderson is 4-for-4 four four in stolen bases. First Sox player to steal four in the first six games since Tim Rock Reigns in 1992. I'm shocked that Scott Pitsednik didn't do that. In, especially in 05. The year he had 60 stolen bases, I feel like that first week he had 10. But obviously that's wrong. 
Patsenik was lethal. He was he would get on base with a walk, steal second, steal third, steal third or, like every time. Or Gucci would get him over. Yeah, it was, had a hit out of Gucci in the two hole. That 2005 team was damn. That was a that's what he would do. He would get on base. He would steal second. Gucci would ground out to second, get him to third, and then somebody from and you know, then you know Canerco would hit a two run all. Carl Everett, in between his conspiracy theories about dinosaurs, would drive him in. You know he's ac- he, he's right. Tiger with a par putt, huge. We'll get your Masters updates from Kevin Powell throughout the show. I like that, actually. Um, and, and I believe producer Ben has some sound bites he's going to be throwing in from, from time to time in the show, too. We're going to keep it a, a golf-themed show. By the way, I do want to talk about the Masters. Um, I can Something happened yesterday in the Masters that I can honestly say I've never done. I think I know what you're talking about. I think I know where you're going. Sergio Garcia hit five balls in the water mm-hmm. on one hole. Yeah. I've never done that. Actually, there's one exception. I have done that. Have you ever played Ruffle Feathers? No, but I hear it's tough. Uh, there's a, I think it's the 10th hole is an island green. Okay. And there's one day where, um, uh, so the flag's usually in a hard spot, like near all the water. Mm-hmm. The back, If you picture like the players, 17th hole at the players, mm-hmm. uh, TPC Sawgrass, the bridge... Right. To kind of create the island green at Ruffle Feathers, a little bit wider. Right. You know, so, it, so it's not so. It's kind of a safe area. You could always kind of safely get on the green back gotcha. there. Gotcha. Uh, whereas the flag is oftentimes near all the water. Anyway, so I my first shot, I put it on the green, uh, like in the back part, the safe area. Huge. Then I was like, you know, because there was nobody behind us, I'm like, I'm just going to mess around here a little yeah. bit and try to get it near the pin. Stick and it. that time, I think I put eight balls in the water in a row, but I was messing around. Yeah. This is a real round. Five balls in the water in a row. I can honestly say I've never done that. And this was Sergio Garcia who won the tournament last year. Sergio Garcia says, quote, It's the first time in my career where I made a 13 without missing a shot. Simple as that. The defending champ had a six iron from 206 yards that he thought, quote, was perfect. Then he essentially hit the same shot four straight times, overspinning a sand wedge and watching as the balls retreated into the agua. That's from Teddy Greenstein's piece in the trim. The ball just wouldn't stop, Garcia said. You know, that's the thing. Everyone kept equating it to the Tin Cup stuff, but he, you know, he his six iron that was 206 yards out went into the water. Then he basically hit four wedge shots into the water. And he, and he wasn't like chunking them like most us golfers would do. He was spit. He was putting too much juice on it. He was spinning it off the green. But I can't believe as a professional golfer. Okay, once, twice, meh. After that, what are you doing, man? Five, five, four of them wedge. And the harder you hit it, the more it spins. That's what he keeps doing. Now he's going to skull it over the green. Oh no. I forget which highlight it was. I heard one highlight uh, where the analyst brought up the fact that a lot of times golfers only bring six balls with them on, uh, in a round. Six balls. Which is surprising. But if you think about it, they never lose a ball. Oh, I mean, unless right, they put they, it in the water. They have spotters and things like that. Like, if they put it in the water, it's obviously gone. But no one ever puts it in the water five times in one. What happens if you run out of balls? If you run out of balls, you're disqualified. So why would they not just bring more? Just well, in there, case? there's a limit for sure. The how many you can to look bring it up right now? Yeah, there's only a certain amount of balls you can have in your bag. I heard a highlight where the analyst said, "I don't mean to make light of this, but usually you only bring six balls out there with you." Six. That balls? seems low. I think that is low. It's normally. I mean, I guess that makes sense. But that's like the first hole for me. Damn it, I'm trying to look up the rules. Maybe you can get that for corrections, Ben. I, I know there's a limit. Just like the limit, you, you, have, you can only carry 14 golf clubs in your bag. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty, yeah. You can only carry a certain amount of golf balls. You know, the thing with the uh, tin cuppy um, analogy everybody was throwing out there, um, Sergio Garcia is not that likable, so... You know what, though? It's a little different than the tin cup. Put uh, bluntly. Yeah. You know, I was happy, though, when he won the tournament last year. Like, he just yeah, had, he's been what, so um, close so many times that you just felt bad for him. I did. You know what? I, I kind of agree with you because I remember tweeting out. I'm like, I'm looking forward to seeing how Sergio chokes this one away. Right. And he didn't. He, he didn't, didn't falter. And I gave. And when I saw that, I'm like, okay. 
I respect that, Sergio. It's no. almost like he accidentally won it. I know it felt that way. Like he forgot to choke like it away. You're just like blinking. You're like, wait, is he still at the leaderboard? Is this not refreshed? Now, if Ian Poulter was in the hunt and he happened to win it, I'd still hate him. Yeah, he's not a very likable guy. No, right? no, 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 no. He's, he's, I cannot stand Ian Poulter. He's the only golfer on the tour I actively root against. What did he do to you? Nothing specific. He okay. just annoys me. You know, it's like uh, in golf, it, no matter who's the gallery always cheers for everyone. You know what I mean? Like if if let's say Tiger and Phil yeah, there's were, no one like that's hated enough where they boo him. Like like it's not like a, no it's AJ Perzinski. It's not like a it's not like a live sporting event where you're rooting for a specific team. Like Sergio Garcia could be on the green, nail a putt, the gallery's going to cheer. You hmm. know, uh, Matt Kuchar could be playing with them, sink another putt, the crowd's just going to cheer either way. Yeah, you know, there's not. I guess it just depends on how loud they're cheering, and nobody they don't always cheer louder for Tiger. But it's not like anyone sinks a putt and everyone's like, boo, you suck. It'd be kind of fun, though. It'd be kind of fun. I would do that for Poulter. You know, speaking of A.J. Perzinski, he's out at the ballpark yesterday. Yeah. Had a very entertaining press session with Hawk Harrelson. Uh, he said like something. best bros. He said something that caught my ear, though, that he part of the reason why he knew he had to retire was because he consciously had to hate the other team. Like, that's what got him up. And he couldn't fake it anymore. That's what he said. He's like, like I part, just the way I played the game, I was he like admitted it was weird. But like, he had to like generate a certain amount. It's almost like a football player like amping themselves right. up before a game. So for a while, he organically hated the team. And he then like he, had to almost like trick himself manu- into hating, hating the team. Oh, yeah. That's probably why he was so good against the Cubs because that was probably the one team he legitimately hated. I uh, love players like that. And it's like the NBA. Everybody's best friends now. Because I don't get the sense. AJ was always because I covered them a lot back then. There were certainly days where he was salty and he didn't want to talk all the time. And he admits that now he's like, you know, when I had a bad game, didn't want to talk to the media. But there were other times where you caught him and he would talk to you. And he, and and now, you know, it's kind of funny that he's a team ambassador because he just doesn't have that kind of reputation. But he's a really good analyst. Uh, he's he was nice to us yesterday in the booth. Yeah. Uh, he was he was nice to the media. He was on with Cochran. He met with the media. He was on our broadcast, and and that's and his, his brother-in-law got engaged at about eight a.m. on the field. I, he's not a bad guy, though. You know what I mean? Like everyone kind of is just like AJ's this bad guy. No, I just think he has that sort of personality where. But that's from his if point. You don't, if you don't like understand who he is, he's probably going to rub you the wrong way a little bit. But no, I, I've you know I just I don't really know him. Talked to him briefly a little bit here and there, and he's always been fine. I just found that really interesting. I kind of like people like that where they're not fake. You know what I mean? He's just AJ's always just going to be AJ. Mm-hmm. So people like that are going to rub people the wrong way a little bit. Another thing I found interesting was someone asked him about managing managing someday, and he didn't really dismiss it. I think he's great in the media for now, but AJ would be the the way the trend's going in Major League Baseball. You go analyst to manager, pretty much. Like you have, you don't even have any managerial experience anymore. Aaron Boone, Gabe Kapler is really crap in the bed. Well, Ricky Renteria is not going anywhere, obviously, and he shouldn't. But I just feel like right now, what would be the odds that someday AJ Perzinski is managing the White Sox? Oh yeah, uh, like oh, I, managing the White Sox, like huh. specifically the White Sox. Well, that's tough to say because I would say that would be the most likely team he would manage. Well, that would. If he ever does it. Well, I would say that... But it's obviously not happening anytime soon, because Ricky's not going anywhere. Right, and especially if the Sox do what many think they are going to do and win a World Series within the next five years, Ricky Renteria, that basically buys... But I'm just saying at some point, even if he ends up managing a different team first. So like 15 years down the road, you're saying? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I would would set that at like 5-1. to Like very, very likely. (sighs) I don't know specifically for the Sox. I would say 5-1, to yes, he would manage it, be a manager... Um, let's. I would say like ten to one for the White Sox. Okay, like there's definitely a shot. And Sox fans love AJ Pruszynski. Oh, he would be. Like he needs to be a permanent fixture on one of the two, the TV or the radio broadcast. He should almost not manage the White Sox because that's right. the only way that fans will ever hate him. Well, Robin Ventura, fans loved Robin Ventura. Oh my god! Until 
he became manager. He lost some. Yeah, something. but that was such a weird. I remember the day I was sitting in the office. I was editing CBSChicago.com back then, and I remember that release coming across my email out of nowhere. Like no one even knew he was a candidate. Right. Just boom. At the time, he was helping I, out at a high school, coaching. Well, usually we're so trained now. You get an email like that, you tweet out the news. And I remember not tweeting it because I was like, this is a fake email. Like, this is not, <laughs> this is, someone hacked the White Sox this email is, account. It was fake news there's, before there's, fake news. There, that's how out of the blue it was. Right. And I don't know. It's just weird. I remember that. It was totally weird. But I, they were like, went on the trend of former players and it didn't work out with Robin. Well, and I didn't hate the hire. I'm not saying that. It was just so out of the blue that you were like, wait a minute. Um, Nobody saw that one coming. No one saw that one coming. Which I, is how I think wanted. Sox fans felt how you felt, but a lot of them were pretty excited because they love Robin. Well, Ventura. that's what I'm, yeah, I love Robin, but I was also like, can he manage? Because like, yeah, well, he started to lose some fans down the stretch there with some of his managerial. Well, decisions. I still love him as much as I, you know, you know, I just remember him as a player, right? Let's be honest, wasn't a phenomenal manager. He wasn't as bad as people made it seem like, but you know. Some some guys like AJ, I think, are bred to be a manager. I don't know that Robin ever was, and it was you know a legit conversation sometimes about whether or not he really wanted to be doing it. Tiger with a great chip on three. I like how you get your voice lower. I don't want to disturb the golfers, Adam. Yeah. Charlie Hoffman <laughs> rims out. What? Um, um, okay. Don't pull that. Light the candle. What? 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 That's my favorite one. We went through all these the other day, <laughs> and I was laughing my ass off because the guy delivers it with such conviction. Like, he really wants someone to light a candle. Light the candle! What? And then the, the, I think it's Nance. I don't know who it was. What? <laughs> Can we hear that again, Ben? Light the candle! What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> phenomenal. There's mashed potatoes, there's Baba Booey, there's scalloped potatoes, there's the classic get in the hole. I hate to get the hole. I like I'm the a fan of the get in the hole. I like the creative ones. The creative ones have they're done. They're out of they're too out of this world now. The get in the hole is a nostalgic chant at a golfing event. That was the original annoying, obnoxious chant at a golfing event. It is annoying. Nobody does get in the hole anymore. Because it's stupid. They're all stupid. It's better than mashed potatoes. Yeah, but some are creatively stupid. That's not even creative. I'll, I'll give you creative. <laughs> the only reason I think that's creative is because it's a, it's a duel. The one guy picks, it trails off and, and, and extends the chant like an extra second. Did they really ban the yelling at the Masters? Is yeah, that true? Yeah. I think so, right? Yeah. Or was that fake news? No, so that's, real? that's a real deal. You, you yell anything and you are out of there. <sighs> Tiger's got a birdie putt on three. Tiger, uh... Wait, this can't be a birdie putt. Why? Oh, yeah, this... Oh, damn, that means he put his drive near the green. Good good work, Tiger. It's a par four. He chipped from in front of the green. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Looks I'm, like a little left to right here, Adam. Tiger addresses the ball. WGN's getting sued by the Masters, by the way. Oh, yeah, we shouldn't do this, actually. You <laughs> <Yeah, no, laughs> didn't say what happened. I didn't say what happened. Yeah, I think you have to I'll wait let... like three seconds, and he missed it. Okay. Damn it. Can we get to light the candle? Just to make me feel better. <laughs> light the candle! What? What? All right, here's what's going on on Sports Central today. Uh, Steve Stone was on the Steve Cochran Show this morning. Very informative, talking about what happened yesterday with the White Sox. Some good, some bad, obviously. Uh, Coach Joel Quinville was also on Steve Cochran. I want to bring you that because it was announced yesterday that he will be back next season. Stan Bowman will be back next season. And a little plug here. The Rokon Show will be out at the United Center this afternoon. And I believe Stan Bowman's going to be on with us. So we nice. should have some interesting stuff coming from Stan there. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that decision a little bit later on in the show. Spoiler alert, right decision. We'll take our first time out here. Come back at you, Steve Stone, on opening day for the White Sox coming up next. This is Sports Central. Chicago's Sports Conversation. This is Sports Central with Adam Hogue. 
All right, welcome back. Sports Central on WGNRadio.com. Available as a podcast on iTunes, Google Play. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, We always try to bring you the best of what's going on in the WGN Sports Department. And the Steve Cochran Show always has good things happening. And Steve Stone was on this morning on the show with some good analysis of... By the way, did you hear... I guess you wouldn't have heard this, but apparently somebody told me that on the TV broadcast yesterday, Hawk apparently had a cramp, a leg cramp. What? And he said he was like, "I got a cramp, Dan Gummit." <laughs> Did you hear about that? No, because I I like went on Twitter immediately. I'm like, this could be one of the great hawk cuts of all time. A cramp in the middle of the game, and I always laugh at that because my dad cramps like crazy. Mm. Like he'll wake up in the middle of the night, start screaming. He gets like the Charlie horse in the that back. That hurts. The, it's like yeah, yeah, it feels like just cut my leg off for God's sakes. I'm done with this cramp. Anyway, somebody told me about that, but I looked on Twitter and I figured it would have been if if Hawk cramped and that yeah. was that would have been everywhere. And I didn't, I couldn't find it. Huh? So I don't know. If anybody follows, you know, runs into a, a Hawk cramping session on Twitter, let us know. <laughs> Sounds a little weird. <laughs> That did sound a little All right, weird. well, let's get to his partner in the booth, at least yesterday. Uh, Jason Benetti, of course, will be doing most of the games for Hawk this season. But Steve Stone will be there the whole time. Uh, and he, I mean, his analysis is just so good. Just so good. And he was on with Steve Cochran this morning. But nobody knows more about pitching than Steve Stone. And Steve, am I right to worry that in a situation like we have with the personnel of the Sox, we're going to get plenty of hitting, we're going to get plenty of runs, but saves may be harder to come by? Well, I would I would absolutely love to say, Steve, that you were wrong. But then again, I can't. No, but you'd like to uh, say no, that about to... most things I say, not just this. <laughs> we're going to see. Uh, we're going to see a few more of those adventures late. Look, if you don't have Craig Kimbrell, if you don't have a Roldis Chapman out in your bullpen, and if you might notice the Sox don't have that guy, um, then you have to mix and match. And then Ricky goes out there, he makes a move designed to go hitter for hitter to where he thinks uh, he can get this guy out, not necessarily anointing a closer because he doesn't have one to anoint. And yesterday it was a, it was a team problem late. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't just Soria who was the last guy uh, to uh, to stand out there and try to get somebody out, and and so it wasn't Infante who was the last guy who who started the parade. It was pretty much a team effort. And when that happens, you just regroup. You come back. Uh, the off day is today, a day of reflection for the boys, a day of just gorgeous weather, and go out there, maybe go to the beach, do some nice things. And just forget about yesterday because, look, this is, this is a team that's in transition. We've known that for some time. It was a stated teardown and rebuild last year. That's when it started. And for all of the people who are very frustrated when yesterday happens, you just have to go back and remember uh, we've had a couple of worst of first teams, maybe 15, 18 years ago, whatever it is. Take a look at the rebuild of the Cubs. And, yes, uh, you know, it was a little shorter than people thought, but it was a teardown, and they suffered for a few years, and that's exactly what's going to happen here. However, we have to hang our hat in the fact that there are so many good young guys coming up that I talked about I talked about waves yesterday, the first wave of guys coming up, and that might be Kopech, that might be Jimenez, I'm not sure exactly. And then uh, in the second wave, uh, don't forget Dane Dunning. Everybody likes to talk about Lopez and Giolito in that Washington trade. Dane Dunning's going to be a major league starter. He's got excellent control, rated the best control in the organization. Luis Robert, eventually, uh, Robert is going to get healthy when he does. Uh, the sky's the limit in his talent because he can run with big power. You know, we're waiting for we're waiting for the likes of Alec Hansen, Zach Birdie coming back from an arm injury. So um, they're going to come when they come in waves. The first and second will be uh, will be here in the not too distant future. I'm talking about in the next couple of years, and then there'll be a third wave. You know, don't uh, don't forget about Zach Collins, the number one pick who's down there. Jake Berger, unfortunately, might have been the closest hitter to the major leagues, but it tore his, tore his Achilles tendon, so he's down. But um, there's a lot of happy times in the future. Let's talk about the starting pitching, Steve. And, and you expected Lucas Giolito to deliver what we saw from him when we talked to you last week. Uh, Lopez Giolito, uh, quality starts this past week. Uh, Carson Fulmer missed by one inning, but but certainly a credible outing from him. Do you like what you've seen from the starting pitchers overall so far? Well, I don't think Carson Fulmer, Dave, uh, missed for any innings. I thought that was a very impressive performance. No, I just and meant statistically. Remember. I just meant statistically. Oh, he was one yeah. inning shy of the definition. I was oh, 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 you're talking about a quality, quality start. start yeah. quality, quality starts a 450 ERA. 
it's a quality start if uh, if your team scores uh, more than three runs. It, it's a uh, it's yeah. way to go right. by if you, if you get beat three to one. So you know, quality starts is in the eye of the offense, mm-hmm. and it's really nice to keep your team around. And you know, on a positive note, this team has played six games. This team has been in six games. Mm-hmm. They're not getting blown out early. You know, they're giving some games away. Let's face it, uh, the defense is is okay. You know, it's not good. There's some there's some flaws in the defense, and there's going to be. Um, you know, Ricky played a hunch yesterday because of the speed and the power from both sides of the plate. He played Lurie Garcia in left field, and, and Lurie, who made a wonderful catch the night before in Toronto, it wasn't necessarily that bad a physical play, but the mental preparation for that play was lacking. That is, you got a man at first base. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care if you have to eat the baseball. You cannot let it get by you. So you play it into a single. I mean, it's Victor Martinez running. They didn't have big speed on the bases. Victor uh, sliced that base hit. Louis's got to go over and just knock the baseball down, regardless of what happens, because it's going to be runners at first and second. You're still going to have the lead, and you still only need one out. So it was thought process as well as physical execution. Louis is an okay outfielder. At times he can be very good because he has big speed. But that time he just cut up and, uh, you know, call it a mental block. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe one of those things that he could have thought out a little bit better and thought about the fact that regardless of what happens, can't let the ball get by me because if it does, it's tie game. We saw what happened, and I don't think that mistake is going to be repeated. I don't even think they really had to talk too much to him because I truly believe he understands what he did. Sure. It was just, again, you're not anticipating the baseball coming to you. What do I do when it when it does come to me, then think it out ahead of time so there's no surprises when the ball does get to you. Is Are kids now, because of the ESPNization of the world, are kids now more likely in the bigs to try to make hit than they were in your day? I think so. I really do. And, and I think that's pretty observant because, you know, every time you... Every time you take a look at uh, it's it's the MLB network, it's it's ESPN, it's everywhere you look. Uh, you know, look at various spots on uh, on the internet, uh, and you look at you look at different sites, and they'll all have great plays. This guy made a great play. This guy went over the wall to catch the ball. This guy had a diving play, and boom, you're one of the stars of the day. But sometimes, good solid baseball wins the day. I love highlight real plays. However, there was a guy a few years back, and not too far back, by the name of David Eckstein. And David has two world championship rings, and he has it. He had it with the, with the Angels, and he had it with the Cardinals. The reason why he has two rings is that his nickname was Just Enough. Whatever it took, he was able to do it. He wasn't flashy. He was never spectacular. But when you had to have a double play turned, he turned it. When you had to have a bunt, he bunted it. When you had to have a hit and run, well, he was successful at that. That's why he was so uh, so well received by his teammates because he was selfless, and that's the key to a team that's going to win. You know, when you feel you're not going to win or you're out of it, you become a very selfish player because, let's say you're 22 games back, you come up man at second, nobody out, you ground to second, you move them to third, but it's 0 for 1. But if this is not a team effort, if this not is trying to get that team to win, then suddenly that that uh, that 0 for 1 doesn't mean anything. So what you do is you try to you try to hit for yourself, you try to pitch for yourself, you try to do everything you're doing out there for yourself. And because this league, better or for worse, pays off on statistics. They don't pay off on ground balls to second, moving the runner from second to third, unless you have a winning team, unless it's very important. Now, Ricky's done a good job in teams that probably are not going to compete for a bit of imparting to his guys, you know what, you have to move that man over because it's like muscle memory. If you learn how to do it, the next time it's easier. And the next time it's easier, he's laying the foundation for winning baseball. That is a selfless baseball team, but that only is a team that eventually is going to win. And this team knows in a couple of years they will. So I think they're all going through with what Ricky and his coaching staff is imparting. Not going to warm up till next week. What's the coldest game you ever remember playing in? The first World Series game that uh, that I was scheduled to uh, to be involved with, I woke up in Baltimore, which is, you know, mostly uh, fairly moderate temperatures, and I looked outside and I thought I slept through the World Series <laughs> because there was about four inches of snow on the ground, and I went, oh, my God, it's November. Uh, no, looked at, <laughs> looked at the calendar and went, yeah, well, we got lots of snow. That was a bad one. There's been other times. I mean, some, some, some games in Chicago with the wind blowing, Number one, the wind blowing straight in. It was absolutely awful. Um, we've had lots of awful weather here, uh, too many to count. And when you're born and raised in Cleveland and, 
you know, you start you start your first game in high school, and it's 34 degrees, and it's snowing, and it's raining, and it's muddy. But uh, you you have to play games in that weather. You get used to it. So if you're if you're a Midwest, if you're an Eastern guy, you get used to that kind of stuff. But you know, we have a lot of Latino players, not only on the Sox, but everywhere all over baseball. They're used to playing in warm weather consistently. I'm not saying they all get off to slow starts, but a whole lot of them did. Sure. That doesn't presuppose that it's only the Latino players. Uh, Ryan Sandberg made the Hall of Fame, and he notoriously got off to very slow starts. Some guys just have to get their rhythm. And one thing to understand, you know, you're playing in Arizona, you're playing in Florida, you're playing in 85-degree weather. All of a sudden you come back and it's 34. It's tough to get the feel for the ball. Hitters don't want to hit inside fastballs because uh, their hands are singing to them into the seventh inning. So it's the advantage of the pitcher if he can get loose. I personally got off to pretty quick starts because I was used to it. But I can understand the guys who don't because they're not used to it. And also, bear in mind something else. You're playing a whole lot of day games in spring training. They mix in a night game or two, but then you start the season. And for the most part first month of the season you're playing almost all night games so you have to get used to that also so there's a lot of things that that go into it but it always has been some guys get off quickly some guys slowly great talking to you as always the information invaluable from the great Mm -hmm. steve stone and god willing you'll never dump four in ray's creek or anywhere close to it the next time you're playing augusta Thank you. I'd, I'd have to drop it out of my bag because right now I'm not swinging the club at all. So yeah, I uh, but I'd love to give it a shot. Take care, guys. All right, see, you. see you, man. Steve Stone earlier today on the Steve Cochran Show. Some good info on the home opener yesterday. Stone will be a frequent contributor on WGN Steve, with Steve Cochran in the morning and with Roe throughout the entire season. Good, good. Yeah, love talking to Stone. Yeah, he's the. I mean, he's the best analyst. That he might be the best analyst in all of baseball. He's right up there, no question. It's uh, yeah, well thought out stuff. Um, I hit, he and Benetti together are perfect. They're like they're really good together because Benetti. Yeah. I think Benetti feels the same way you and I. Like what we just said, I think Benetti understands what Stone brings to the table. Um, and they have like this relationship now, and they're funny at the right times. Benetti lets Stone shine with his stuff, but Benetti, Benetti's has a pretty good grasp on some advanced numbers type stuff that he, he, he like finds Benetti's really good at, <clears throat> I remember, you know, Brian Kenny worked for the MLB network and he's like all about the stats and everything and yeah. his analytics to the and total extreme to the total extreme. And we had yeah. him on once with Cochran and I asked him, I said, how do you, how do you, I understand that he's, you know, the guys that understand the advanced analytics and advanced numbers, they probably are going to be right 90% of the time because it is numbers. But, it's it's basically like taking an entire language and throwing it on somebody's desk and being like learn it. Yeah. Where a lot of and I said I said how do you take your MLB network demo, your audience, and how do you apply it to a Channel 9 WGN TV afternoon Cubs broadcast? What is Len Casper going to be overwhelming the audience about whip and fip and babip? <laughs> babip. You know what I mean? Like it's cuz some people do watch of course they want to know more about babip. You. So <laughs> Babip, whatever. Babip, babip. I go babip, babip. So, but I think Benetti does a really good job of like seamlessly incorporating that, where sure. it's not overwhelming, but it's also he spells Relevant. it out for you yeah. and you know things like that. So, I think that I think more like it's a good broadcast. You got the kind of the old school analytics angle from Stone. You got Benetti, who's good play by play man. He's I enjoy on it on top of I the advanced it. stuff. So, but the sentimental part of me too also is like, I love Hawk. Like. Just no. I mean, it's. So are you a Hawk fan? Well, I mean, I grew. I told Hawk this. We had him on Sports Central last week, and I said to him, "I'm like, I hope you understand that, like, for Sox fans like me, my generation, I'm 32 years old. All right, and there's some that are a little bit older than me too. He's been doing it so long that like yeah. he's our voice of baseball. Well, I grew up. It was it was it was he and Darren Jackson yeah. for so long. That's I mean, there's what I so first many started listening to like for my dad, it's Harry Carey that he talks about all the time. Yeah, and you know for for this generation, if you're a Sox fan, this generation that I'm in, yes. that you're in, it is it is Hawk Harrelson, right? And 100%. so, you know, even if you've maybe gotten over him a little bit in the recent years or whatever, like it is. It's sort of tough when you spend your whole childhood watching games in the summer every day. Like that's the side of it. Like when we're on this side of the microphone, 
can't see who's listening. Mm-hmm. Don't know who's listening um, for the most part. But if you listen, if you're the listener, and you're listening to the same person every single day for three hours talking about something you love so much, like your favorite baseball team, and you're a little kid. And that's like all you care about when you're a kid is like running around playing baseball, watching baseball, going to baseball games. Like that person becomes more of your life than you realize. Yeah. You know, it, it's just how many people in our lives are there for three hours every single day? Right. You know, it's like, it's especially when you're a kid, it's your parents, your siblings, and then it's like Hawk. You don't think about it that way. <laughs> right. But like that's what it was growing up. So yeah. it's weird. When all of a sudden that guy goes away, yeah, it's weird. And and I actually like how the Sox have done this. It's been like a it's been a gradual, like just sort of letting him go and bringing in this younger guy. Which oh by the way is our generation grew up listening to Hawk, yeah, and knows exactly what the broadcast was. Is really good at it. Now I'm talking about Jason. Obviously, is really good at it. Gets along with Stoney. Brings so it's been a. I cannot think of a better transition than this has been. Yeah, yeah. So you can still kind of have the sentimental, like, oh, man, I'm missing Hawk, but appreciate where this broadcast is going, which I think is the right time for where the baseball, the game of baseball is now. Uh, Jason's going to be great. But, man. Yeah. Weird. I mean, think of all the right. Hawk, Hawkisms out there. Put on the board. Mercy, he gone. Can of corn. You got to be bleeping me. Chopper two hopper. That was an underrated one. Chopper two hopper. Chopper two hopper. Metabaticola. Metabaticola. That's the best one. That's great. I think he stopped saying that though because he got yeah. upset with Maddie. Why, Maddie? I don't know. Did Baticola? They had a falling out. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know Metabaticola. That show could be hard on Hawk sometimes. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so. he's not even involved in that show anymore. Well, that show doesn't exist anymore. That show doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> that's a Matabaticola. That's a, that's a mat- <laughs> That show is a Matabaticola. Well done. Because right. he would call it for what? Blowing up baseball bats, essentially, right? When a broken, yeah, broken bat. bat. Yeah. That's a Matabaticola. Matabaticola. I missed that one. All right. Uh, we, we'll take our last time out here. Come back. Get your Coach Q news with Coach Quinville. Coming and back. And all the uh, opening day festivities, major Hawks news yesterday. I know. They snuck it in there. Uh, well, good stuff with Q and Cochran. Play that next. This is Sports Central. WGN. WWWGN. This is where WGN Sports Central lives. Streaming right now with your host, Adam Hogue. So in the middle of all the White Sox excitement yesterday on opening day, the home opener, the Blackhawks snuck some huge news in that Stan Bowman and Coach Joel Quinville will return next season. Which I think most of us figured would happen, but it definitely didn't feel like a certainty. Yeah. There was for a while there, I think a lot of people were throwing the idea that maybe one or both or... Well, and the beat writers have been writing stories about it. Yeah, so... Mark Lazarus had a really good sit-down with Q like a m- month ago, I want to say, where Q said he kind of thinks about it. Like, you know, it's been a decade now with these guys, so... Just They'll seems be like, back though, and it would have been. Seems like one season shouldn't right. And if Q got fired, he would. There would be like a line of franchises outside of his home in the western <laughs> suburbs, knocking on his door, trying to hire him as the head coach. Yeah, he's still a good coach. It's a Hall of Fame coach. Someone uh, who said it was it Greg Wyszynski from. Uh, I guess he works for ESPN now. Uh, I think he said earlier in the year that if Joe Quinville got fired. All but three teams in the NHL would want to hire him. Oh, no question. Right away. No question. So. Uh, it, it would have felt like a knee-jerk reaction to this year, where it did feel like it was kind of an unlucky year for the Hawks in some ways mm-hmm. with Crawford and just overall play. I mean, like if you look at some advanced numbers for the Hawks, it's, I know some people have kind of thrown out on social media, they did get a little unlucky. They obviously didn't play all that well, but it wasn't. Um, it just felt like a weird, fluky year. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it was necessarily like. Um, I mean, I would, I would be. Well, let me ask you this: Would you be surprised if they missed the playoffs next year? If they missed the playoffs for a second year in a row, how? Uh, sh- how I guess considering how this year went, I guess I wouldn't be surprised. But when the season starts, I still expect them to be a playoff team. Yeah, and a you know. I think that's fair. I really hope we get a shot to talk to Bowman on with Rowe today. 
Yeah, you guys uh, are going to be out. I don't know. If, yeah, we'll be at the United Center from 3 to 7 going up to the uh, home finale for the Hawks tonight. And it's kind of weird. It's almost like depressing. I should say depressing. The Hawks games are still fun, but I've been to a couple over the past like month or so. And it's just totally different. Because normally when you're walking your seats, you're like, okay, I'm about to watch something serious. This is going to be intense. This is going to matter. It's going to be about playoff positioning. It's going to be about the Hawks trying to clinch a seed or clinch whatever it may be. And now you're walking and you're like, okay, I just have to get in that mindset where I'm simply just trying to have fun watching a professional hockey game. That doesn't really matter a whole lot, at least for the home team. Mm-hmm. It's different. We, I haven't felt that in a long time with the Hawks. Yeah, it's oh. been a different feeling. It's been a different vibe. It's just weird, too, that like there's not going to be playoffs. It is. But, it is. Uh, all right. Joel Quinville was on with Steve Cochran this morning. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the coach of your Chicago Blackhawks, Joel Quinville. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you, my friend? I'm all right. I'm all right. All right. Good talk. Yeah. Um, hey, you know what I want to ask you about? Coming up when you did as a defenseman, um, as much as we all miss Stan Makita being in the arena, I think it's so cool what the Hawks are doing tonight with his grandsons for his one last shift. But how big a deal was Stan Makita when you were a kid playing hockey? I know he was physically different from you, but is that one of the guys you really looked up to? Well, I like Chicago, and uh, Stan was one of those guys that uh, very competitive. You know, I always remember uh, him and Bobby with the great big curves, and uh, and uh, you know, he's one of those guys that uh, was always a top scorer, was always competitive as heck, uh, always found a way to uh, be effective as a scorer. Um, did a lot of great things for the organization. Is uh, a great ambassador. Uh, you know, in the community, and I mean, he's done everything you'd you'd want and expect, and represented the team in so many uh, great ways. And uh, you know, he's very, you know, it's very, it's great and fitting uh, tonight that the the grandkids are going to be out here. Uh, yeah, it's a good thing having another shift. So I think it's very cool. Physically, was he smaller than defensemen of that era? Well, the defensemen in that area, I mean, they, they, they've kept getting bigger over the years. And yep. uh, and now we're starting to be, you know, it's not it's not important as to be uh, as big as in the past. It looks like there's a little bit more of a quickness back there, a little bit more offensive-minded guys. Uh, so every team has a few guys that uh, not not necessarily that big. Uh, but Stan wasn't the biggest guy, but he, you know, he he was uh, he played he was tough. He had uh, you know he was good with a stick, and uh, he found a way to give him some space. And you know he'd always be competitive in all areas. Well, he scored a lot of goals too. Very telling. Uh, scored a lot of goals. Uh, Dave, say hi to our friend Coach Joel Kleinville. Joel, good morning. Uh, as you head into the final two games of the season. Um, Give us a little look inside what happens when the season, a season like this, comes to an end. Do you have a team meeting? Do you have exit interviews with the players and tell them what they need to work on for next year? How does it work? Uh, we'll sit down with all the players here um, individually, and, uh, and then uh, they'll meet with uh, Stan, and and then we'll uh, reassess, and uh, and then we'll look at uh, our needs, and and uh, you know as we prepare, uh, you know the Stan has the you know they have amateur drafts, we have uh, then there's a free agent uh, period, there's a, a lot of things that happen uh, between now and I'm going to say uh, you know a lot of it gets concluded at the end of the uh, playoffs, but. Uh, you know, since we're we're not in it there, well, we'll, we'll see how that tr- transpires. But uh, you know, as a staff here, coaching staff, we can uh, reassess uh, how our approach is going to be uh, going forward, and uh, and uh, adjustments that we can uh, do and make and uh, and think about as well. But uh, I mean, uh, the rapport we have with the players on our exit meetings, we we'll tell them uh, what we we think of their season and uh, things to be aware of for next year and uh, how you can better yourselves. And uh, but as as a, as a team, uh, you know, the organization does a lot of good things as far as uh, uh, their physical training that's necessary in the offseason, uh, nutrition, and, and, and the focus, and the opportunity that's ahead of them is something that uh, we address as well. Um, and hopefully a little time off, uh, because uh, even though you've got extra time off you'd prefer not to have, it's uh, great for everybody to recharge and really be fired up this fall. Well, we we want to make sure that uh, you know it's one of these years where we can uh, you can reflect back and knowing that this feeling we've had uh, 
throughout part of the year that it's not what we want to be. It's not a good feeling. It's uh, you know you're, when you're in the winning business and then you're not uh, reaching your goals or objectives. Uh, and we've been in a very fortunate position here of having a, a great uh, a great run here for nine years and being absent this year certainly left a different taste in our mouths. And and uh, and that can be uh, the recipe we're looking for to uh, get and recapture that taste and feeling of uh, being competitive and and uh, and and winning hockey games and doing we can to better ourselves as individuals and as a team even in a bad season uh there's always something positive that you can take into next year and and kind of build some hope around what what would it be this year well, we have some uh, we have some young guys that are uh, that look like they could uh, turn into be uh, decent players to uh, to better players, which all of a sudden can go to that next level. I think the Brinkat came in this year and uh, showed that not only can he play, he can uh, he can he could go to all of a sudden be one of those scorers that you can uh, count on to be no productive. I think across the board, uh, you know, I, I thought Schmaltzy uh, grew a little bit this year and his uh, improvement did a, had a good summer as well. Um, and uh, three guys at the end of the year that are planned, or a couple guys at the end of the year. Uh, I know Victor Edsel. We'll see how he does uh, up front, and uh, and Dylan Secura, and uh, Blake Hillman on the back end uh, coming in at the end of the year. These guys look like they all are. They all look pretty good in, in, in a short audition here at the end of the year. So, looking forward to seeing some progression from them in the summer. Um, but we had a number of changes uh, over the course of the year. I think there's areas where we have to be better. I think our team game defensively has to improve, and and uh, and not just not from the back end. Um, and any way to tell what Corey Crawford's future is still at this point? Obviously, you got the rest. He probably needs to continue to recover. Is it still too early to make that call? Uh, we expect them to be ready to go. Um, and there's lots of time between now and then, and and uh, so that's uh, you know we 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 know the importance of goalies and uh, how good Crow was for us uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, he gave us a chance there for uh, almost half a season there to uh, to uh, put ourselves in yep. a position to to fighting for a playoff spot. So uh, you know we're looking forward to him getting uh, getting ready to go, and uh, you know there's still there should be enough time to. Uh, you know, having Crow being ready to go. One of the greats. Um, speaking of goalies, uh, Dave and I were wondering when Scott Foster comes out of the dressing room last week and that unbelievable opportunity that he had where he stopped seven shots on the way to a Hawks win. You had the biggest smile on your face and almost a giggle, like, how nuts is this situation? Uh, and then he goes out and he gets it done. What, did, did I misinterpret your smile, your laugh? Because uh, that was pretty entertaining. <laughs> Well, it was one of those situations where, you know, it's probably, a, you know, it's a thrill of a lifetime that uh, he gets a chance to play and uh, in that environment, knowing that, uh, you know, if we also had a guy that was playing his first game uh, to begin with. That was kind of a, a funny situation to begin. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, I was thinking maybe at the end of the game, you'd, you, you, if there's an opportunity where you can give him a, a minute or so in the game to get him a chance to play was was part of the thinking. And I goes, well, I didn't, wasn't, we weren't thinking with 14 minutes to go in the game, but we did have a nice lead and uh, and uh, love love how he played and uh, and the crowd got behind it and uh, it made for a, a fun uh, and entertaining uh, day as well with Sieb's thousandth game and uh, you know three guys playing their first NHL games in one night too. So it was a lot of interesting things happening in that game. You know the, uh, the other question that came up the next morning was, and I'm not sure who raised this in in other sports. Sometimes they'll go around and and figure out an emergency backup at a position did anybody ever punt or did anybody ever play quarterback but there's no equivalent to that in in hockey is there i mean you have to have a goaltender you don't go go up and down the bench and say hey whoever put on the pads here and played goal well this is only a new thing that's come up over the last little while here when with the emergency guys in the in the, in the, in the rinks um, and they're and they're and they're there for both teams. So in the past, you you might have to be in a position where you'd consider somebody uh, throwing on the pads. And, Is that right? You know, if something would have happened to Scott Foster that night, it would have been what would we have done next? And uh, so maybe that Jay was Blunk. Be, uh, that Jay Blunk time. Day. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Blunk in the pads. Did you ever have to play goalie? Uh, my first year I played hockey, I was a goalie. How about that? I bet yeah, you. It's, I tough, bet you. it's tough on it's tough on the mums goalies. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, too. Uh, listen, I know we're probably not going to catch up again for a little bit here, but we'd love to have you back to talk a little derby uh, in a couple of weeks. I hope you can do that for us. 
And I uh, look forward to seeing you at convention. And this, too, shall pass because uh, I like everything you just said. And, and by the way, John McDonough stepping up yesterday, great. But you get a vote, too. So on behalf of every Hawks fan, thanks for coming back next season. All right. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. That's uh, the coach, Joel Quinville. Q is back, but Adam Hogue, thankfully you're here, our Bears insider. What do you got? Yeah, some uh, Bears news coming across as we were listening to the Joel Quinville uh, interview as Cam Meredith has signed an offer sheet with the New Orleans Saints. So what that means is because he was a restricted free agent, it's very similar to the Kyle Fuller situation. Um, The Bears can match it and keep him, or they can let him go. So, he, uh, the details from Ian Rappaport in terms of the money, two years, $9.6 million plus incentives, $5.4 million in guarantees. Um, Bears have five days to match. And it says the guarantee. there are some guarantees in year two. So do the Bears match this? I'd be shocked if they don't. So would I. Um, if they don't, I would imagine it has something to do with the medical Remember, he tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a simple ACL, from my understanding, but it also wasn't catastrophic, like uh, career-threatening type deal. So um, this is a team, though, that has a ton of cap space right now. Uh, about twenty. He'll be back. Twenty-seven million dollars. I can't imagine that. We're talking about five million for this year. That they, I, I'd be shocked if the Bears do not match. I mean, they need him right now. He's still. I, I would say ideally he's the number two to Allen Robinson. I know that Taylor yeah. Taylor Gabriel's here, but that's more of a gimmicky type slot guy. I think, right. um, given what happened with the Bears wide receivers last year, I'd be shocked uh, if they don't match that. So some Bears news there, and maybe if you're listening to this as a podcast later, the Bears have already matched because remember it didn't take long with Kyle Fuller. And I again, the Bears know Cam Meredith's knee better than anybody right now, uh, and other than maybe Cam himself. So if he's healthy, I'd imagine that they're, they're gonna keep him. Uh, All right, some unexpected Bears news today. Schefter now saying expecting money to be about five million per year, two years, roughly ten million. That seems like an easy call. Especially because Ryan pa- Ryan Pace discovered this guy. Mm-hmm. It's like Kyle Fuller wasn't Ryan Pace's draft pick. This is like somebody that Pace discovered undrafted free agent Jim. I actually had a conversation with Ryan Pace after watching Cam Meredith closely at Illinois State. So in some ways you can say I found Cam Meredith. Just want to throw that out there. You did. Fear the bird. Okay. So are you going to come up with the money? Uh, no, I'll leave that one to Ryan Pace. All right. Um, we got about three minutes left here. Tiger Woods is lost in the bushes somewhere at Augusta. Not Let's, looking good. Okay. Thanks for the Masters update. Yeah. Uh, what did we screw up today? Uh, just w- answer to the question earlier, uh, is there a limit? Is six balls the limit for the PGA uh, tournament guys? And the answer is there is no limit to how many balls they can carry. Really? Yeah. I think yeah. I would just – it's like my bag. I got 30 balls in there. They're just like – you got you got your nice like pro V's that you're like yeah. only gonna hit if you're feeling it. Yeah. You got like a few like dinky range balls that you kinda threw in there so you could have fun like just doing stupid stuff on the course, maybe sure. or trying yeah. to clear a two hundred and ninety yard pond. Yeah, Gary, Gary Woodland takes eleven out each round. Uh, a lot of those superstition situations. Yeah. I take eleven per hole. Yeah. Just that's in, that's just where in, I usually You yeah. and Sergio. Just in case. Yeah. Me and Sergio. Um all right, so I uh, need to end the show today with a little bit of uh, show news. And um, it's just going to be, and I don't know, a lot of times in radio, there's not a whole lot of honesty and transparency, but I am just going to be 100% honest with this whole thing. Um, Sports Central is going to be changing going forward. And it's not because the show hasn't been good. It's not because, in fact, I've loved doing this the last couple months. I was looking forward to it for a long time. And, uh, and it was just an absolute blast launching it from the Super Bowl. Uh, Kevin, it's been fun doing the show with you. We've had two really good shows this week mm-hmm. um, that have been a lot of fun. And I think in a perfect world, just keep doing this. Right. Um, the problem is, and we've been kind of scrambling for a couple months now, pretty much from the point we launched the show, out of nowhere, we acquired the Chicago White Sox. 
at WGN Radio. And we did not know that when we this it's not like we launched a show in a day. We this goes back to the middle of the football season when uh Todd Manley and I started putting this whole thing together and mm-hmm. and um it was not even on the radar. That right. in, in fact it started coming together after we didn't get the Bears. Right. Uh, well, back in September. And what that means when we did get the Sox is that takes a whole lot of manpower, and Adam's involved with the post-game show, and there's just a lot of working parts involved to the whole broadcast. I and mean, We're great. We're obviously thrilled, and it's amazing, but it does it's just a lot going on. Yeah. So it, it, I mean, I had no idea that we would have the White Sox, and I did not know that I would be doing the... Um, Post game, the post game, and it's not even just about me. I mean, like like you said, there's just a lot of moving parts here. Engineers, producers, audio, uh, studio time, all million different things. So here's the deal: the show is not going away completely, um, but we do have to reduce it pretty drastically from going five days a week live. Um, it's just really not realistic unless I want to, uh, you know. Bill, put a cot in the back uh, yeah. room and yeah. just live. And, ne- live and never the- see my family again. <laughs> I like uh, your family. I want you to be with your family still, Adam. At least between now and when the bear season ends. In, uh, <laughs> Do you see your family January. during bear season at all anyways? I mean, it's like a six-month stretch there where you're just like... Not on the weekends. Because <laughs> I got Northwestern football, <laughs> too. True, yeah. So it's um Go Cats. How about yeah. that field house, by the way? Oh, that looked great. It was beautiful. We should have brought that up earlier yeah. in the show. They Northwestern opened up their new field house. So, look, the show's not going away completely. We are um, going to be still putting out content for you every week in a podcast form. Uh, very proud of what we have done as a sports department. First of all, as a station from a podcast standpoint, but even within our sports department. Yeah. Kevin's got a brand new baseball podcast out. Powell at the Park. Is that what the name of the podcast Powell is? Powell at the Park Podcast. Powell yeah, at the Park, Park Blog. Blog. Just They're the whole Powell at the Park baseball coverage. Um, and that's new. And we you should... Uh, yeah, subscribe, iTunes, all that good stuff. Um, we also have the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. So we've yep. got Hockey Talk. We've got Hogan Johns, a highly successful podcast there. Um, so a lot of podcasts happening in the sports department. Well, so what we're going to do with Sports Central is kind of slide this in as kind of our uh, almost like flagship podcast for the gotcha. sports department. Yeah, podcast hub, basically. We'll be talking about everything. It will, we'll be doing what we have done on this show, bringing the best of our sports content uh, at WGN Radio, because that was the whole point of this thing to begin with. Just things changed very quickly. We've been trying to figure out what we wanted to do, what we should do. And now that baseball has started and we went through a week of the season, we're kind of just realizing what's realistic, what's not realistic, um, and this is the plan going forward. So we will get you weekly Sports Central episodes as a podcast. Sometimes we'll do it twice, and we may actually do some live shows still from time to time, like maybe around the NFL draft Uh when there's big events going on. It will be warranted, but five days a week, Live just wasn't making sense for anybody anymore. And thanks to Joe Romano who helped launch this thing, and Ben Anderson who's done a great job over the past month or so handling producing duties. Thanks to you, Benjamin. Um, can we just get a one more uh, light the candle from you before we uh, before we blow out the candle? Well, it's not light the candle. What? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Light a new candle. That's we're what I'm blowing the candle well, out. We blew out one. Now we're it's lighting another like- one. It's, it's not, one of those trick it's not candles. Like an Elton John song. It's a trick candle. It doesn't go out. That was my <laughs> it's point. It's a trick candle. Kind of is a trick candle right now. All right. With all that we're juggling here. Yeah, seriously. Uh, we're having a fun time doing it, though. And um, thank you to everybody who has been listening live or as a podcast on a daily basis. That takes, uh, as a frequent podcast listener myself, that takes some dedication. So um, I'm sorry to those of you uh, who have been into us on a daily basis, but uh, please stay subscribed. Plenty to, more content to, the pod. to come. Yeah. If you're not subscribed, you can still subscribe. I have a feeling that you will enjoy, while the episodes will be coming out less frequently, I think you'll actually enjoy them more because we're, it's going to allow us to be more flexible with bigger interviews. So unsubscribe and resubscribe because I think that helps in iTunes. So do Does that it? as we relaunch things. Yeah. Why does that help? Because I think they track activity. So oh. if you sit there and hear like unsubscribe, subscribe. So I'm if you go to an Apple store, just, do you just hit, go. Do you just do that to follow the park? <laughs> yeah, I have like, like one of those little. A little bird beak that like dips into a cup of water. I just have that poking unsubscribe, subscribe for Paul at the Park. All right, All right. we'll be back. It's let's not over. Cl- Plenty of more. Uh, well, let's hit the close music for today. We'll be back next week uh, working on um, well, what would be our, our first big, lengthy podcast. Yes. Uh, so it'll be fun. Uh, for Kevin Powell, I'm Adam Hogue. Stick around. 
it's going to be fun. Sports Central isn't going anywhere. This is still going to be, um, you know, a big brand for WGN Radio and our sports department going forward. And you're still going to like what we have coming for you. I promise you. And in the meantime, pay attention to everything else we're doing that we're so busy with, like White Sox post game, White Sox games themselves, and um, Kevin's podcast and plenty of football coverage coming up drafts in two weeks which i just found out about (laughs) you should know these things how busy i've been last few few months yeah uh plenty of good draft coverage coming up and some exciting hogan johns things too that we'll keep you posted on trying to finalize all that as well all right have a good weekend everybody talk to you next week on sports central